Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the Chatter. This is FM 98.3 KCRD. I'm Tom Oglesby. Colleen Pasnick. Father John Lovell. Mark Hager. And we're beginning in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Our Lady of good success, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did mean to steal your thunder, Father. We don't often have clergy on the chatter. No worries, no worries. So I'll let you make it up to me. What's new over at the priests, the Coalition of Cancelled Priests? You've got all kinds of stuff going on. Well, this past Sunday... We, uh, February 6th, we had a rosary rally at Holy Name Cathedral in Chicago. 250 came out to prayerfully protest Cardinal Supich's uh, draconian decrees against the traditional Latin Mass. It was a wonderful sight to see, despite 25-degree weather. We had so many. Hey, come that's out. warm for where we've been. Uh, yeah. it, it, that was the warmest it's been in Chicago all week, so we would take it in sunny too. But uh, we also had our billboard truck. Uh, going around the city as well as the cathedral, uh, just asking people to remember the traditional Latin Mass and to encourage the Cardinal to restore the traditional Latin Mass to every Sunday. Draconian Um, is rather accurate. I think it's right on the dot of what he's doing. Um, I wish he would go after the Novus Ordo parishes that are not following the rubrics with uh, such vigor as he's going after the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, what is the temperature of uh, the average Catholic out here who just wants to go and pray and reverently and um, in, in the ancient tradition here? What, what, what are the, some of the quotes, the feedback? What are you getting? First of all, it's, it's great to know that there's so many... Catholics in the Chicagoland area, as well as in the Dubuque area and the tri-state area and the Driftless region, as I like to call it, that want to attend the traditional Latin Mass. So many uh, Novus Ordo uh, fanatics, as I call them, ones that want to get rid of the traditional Mass, always like to say, well, it's such a small number that want the traditional Mass. And I always like to say, it's true, it is a small number. However, it's a growing number, and it's a young community. And we noticed that at Holy Name Cathedral, all the people going in and coming out, all masked up, uh, were not young. And it's, it's wonderful to see so many young people that were out there at the rally protesting in a, in a prayerful, peaceful way to say the rosary. And that's pretty much all we did. We did all 15 decades of the rosary uh, just to ask the Lord to show Cardinal Supich and all the bishops across the country not to attack something that's growing. Colleen, you've made that that point many times about the growth, especially among young families. Last week, Father, we had um, a group of young... In fact, you can see it if you pivot to your uh, left over there. There's a photo of what we did last week with the Society of St. Thomas Beckett, three um, somewhat college-age, somewhat post-college-age people who are 
Colleen, on fire for the on traditional fire. Latin Mass. Uh, they started this group, and um, there are young people from all three colleges there, and they've got like a dozen members, and they want to dive into tradition. Well, yeah, it was inspiring. I think a good way to say that, it's just not the traditional Latin Mass, but it's all kinds of Catholic uh, traditions. Right, all kinds of Catholic traditions, but I guess it's most visibly seen in the Latin Mass. But sure. yeah, they're talking about maybe um, rosary rallies or Eucharistic procession, but yeah, diving into the whole tradition. It's inspiring. Mark, you've been to the uh, Tridentine Rite a few times. Yep, up in Plat- Platteville, I can say that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can say that, right? <laughs> yeah. You escaped, and, you, yeah. Got, you got back home yeah, safely. Yes, indeed. Um, and I was up there a few weeks ago, and I'll tell you, the young people that were there with their families, the youngsters in church, I was amazed. Mm-hmm. I was just, and what I also found very interesting is they don't walk out of church and leave, you know? They're going downstairs to hang, you know, out. hang out and talk to each other and get their other get other views on, on what's going on inside. It, it was just really inspiring, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, if you give young people donuts, they're going to head downstairs. <laughs> it doesn't I, matter if they're traditional or not. Just bigger donuts. I think they're doing uh, egg casseroles, of which I don't subscribe, but uh, uh, it's a f- three or four course breakfast, I think. That's nice. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I want to go. <laughs> which is why it kind of causes you to go. So the why is the church hierarchy clamping down on that demographic? You know, the younger people, the the people that are open to life, having kids, that are percentage-wise a small percent of Catholics that prefer life. Why the clamping down on them? What is your idea, Father? That That's a, a very good question. Why are they doing that? And many people have said and are saying is because they want to change the religion, which is Catholicism. We've seen this in the last few years. Right before uh, coronavirus broke out, you know, they were worshiping Pachamama in the Vatican, in Rome. And there it goes here. I had gotten her out of my mind. You've just, <laughs> you've just, now I'm not sleeping tonight, Mark. And, yeah. you know, text me at two in the morning because I will not be sleeping. <laughs> But, you know, to be honest with you, when all that was happening, um, Our Lady of, and forgive me if I butcher this Japanese name, but Our Lady of Kyoto uh, reappeared and simply said sackcloth and ashes. And shortly after that, the coronavirus began and they started shutting down the churches. And the only place many people, especially the young, could find the sacraments were in traditional parishes. Now, when I say traditional parishes, I do not mean just the Society of Pius X, but the Institute of Christ the King, the Fraternity of St. Peter. They were going out of their way, whether it was parking lot masses, whether it was doing masses in homes, to bring the sacraments to the people. And they were the ones that were going into the hospitals when so many priests were so scared to go in uh, to the hospitals to anoint people and god bless it and i think when when the ladies see that no matter what age they're attracted to it so they might say you know what i didn't necessarily care about the latin i didn't necessarily care about chant but i cared because these priests were going out of their way to help people that needed it in a time of crisis and they showed me that our sacraments are essential are essential to what we need in order to conquer uh what is going on in the world father john lovell with the coalition of Catholic priests in the studio here with Mark Hager and Colleen Pasnak. 
And Father, I've got to run something by you here just to get a uh, reaction. I said when this uh, Traditiones Custodes came out, which still is, is the height of irony because it translates custodian of tradition. It, or guardians. Or guardians, yeah. guardians of uh, tradition. But I had a thought, and I've said it here on the show in previous episodes. They, whoever they are, are not going to stop at the suppression of the traditional Latin rite, the Tridentine rite. They will look to suppress all forms of reverence and devotion. By that I mean Eucharistic adoration, rosaries, novenas, uh, the celebration of, of uh, saints' days, even things as, uh, as simple as the blessing of throats and the reception of ashes on Ash Wednesday. I hope I'm wrong on that, but something tells me this, uh, this train's headed down that track. What's your reaction to that? There's certainly people in Rome and in the USCCB that want to impose a new religion on all of us. And it started decades ago. It started actually before Vatican II. And I can tell you right now, we see in Chicago, where I live, that you know even the Novus Ordo churches that are trying to be reverent, such as St. John Cantius, such as St. Stanislaus Koska, are being persecuted. They cannot do ad orientum even for the Novus Ordo. Father Anthony Bush, who's the pastor of St. Stanislaus, was told, you cannot do this. And he wrote a passionate open letter to the auxiliary bishop of his area, as well as the cardinal, and he got hauled in. And this is a man of deep faith, suffering, by the way, from uh, Uh, stage four cancer, so please keep Father Anthony Bush in your prayers. But I always like to tell people that are ensconced in the Novus Ordo that want beautiful liturgy, they're coming for you next. This is is clearly what we're seeing here. They want to root out the beautiful traditions of the church that go back millennia, not just centuries, but millennia. Colleen? To what purpose? As I said, I think they want to impose a new religion on us. They, they want this new world order, this globalism, uh, where we're focused on environmentalism. If you remember, Cardinal Supich was asked by the local NBC affiliate, Channel 5 in Chicago, about the McCarrick uh, controversy, and he said, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We have more things to be concerned about, and he listed environmentalism as one of those concerns. And we have to realize is that, first and foremost, we have to have a Eucharistic-centered, lex orandi, lex credendi faith. Law of prayer is law of belief, okay? And we find that, first and foremost, in the traditional Mass. When Pope Francis made a very bold but inaccurate statement in Traditionis Custodis of saying that the Novus Ordo is the authentic interpretation of Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, not only did he offend traditional Catholics, Roman Catholics, but also the Byzantine rites, those that attend the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom who are in union with Rome. Something that was created, I always like to say, in the 1960s can never be good. Simple as that. <laughs> Except those of us born in the 1960s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all know you were born in 1988, <laughs> so yeah. don't start. Nice well, try. That was, uh, I think we'll change the subject well, change on the, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll change the subject. What else is going over on the coalition? Something, uh, did we talk about the June dates coming up, Father? So, as 
most people know that are listening, the Coalition for Cancel Priests was launched on June 24th of 2021. It was our uh, Silent No More uh, conference, and we are doing an anniversary conference uh, the evening of Thursday, June 23rd, and then all day Friday, June 24th, uh, the Feast of St. John the Baptist, who is our primary patron after Our Lady. And our theme this year is Finding Hope in the Desert. Last year was Silent No More, and now it's Finding Hope in the Desert. More details to come, but save the date. We're looking at two possible locations, one in Beloit, Wisconsin, the other in Lombard, Illinois. More to come, and some might be saying, why Beloit? Uh, To avoid the COVID craziness that is still uh, grasping most of Illinois, sadly, and let's hope that ends soon. Can't imagine what it's like living over in that. Uh... Fortunately, I live five minutes from the border of Indiana, which is, I always like to call Indiana the Florida of the Midwest. Um, <laughs> and people are like, it's nothing like Florida. I said, when it comes to the laws and this COVID craziness it is, they they uh, got rid of the masks a long time ago, and they never looked back similar to Florida. So, Remember to keep these canceled priests in your prayers. These are, are faithful, faith-filled priests there they haven't been canceled for wrongdoing any sexual perdition it's mostly all about tradition and faithfulness and preaching uh, the good news that is jesus christ the gospel and the kerygma can you tell us how many priests are in your group well, I always like to say this. The Coalition for Canceled Priests is a lay-run organization. In fact, I'm the only priest that's on the board of directors. Uh, we help priests. We're probably helping about 20 priests right now, maybe 25. I have to double-check the number. Wow. Uh, that number is increasing every week. We would like to increase it more. We're actually surprised that we're, I mean, even though we're only seven months old, that we're only helping 25 because I hear stories all over the country. And I even around the world, people from Africa, India are reaching out to us. And we do a, a background check on all of that. And why? Tell us why we do a background so check. So we do a background check, one, so fraud is not being committed. That somebody coming to us asking for help is actually not a priest. And then second, if they are a priest, that they haven't actually done something wrong, meaning committed a delict or a crime that is serious. That doesn't mean that we're not going to help priests that have been accused of something and are declaring their innocence. What it means is that we're going to try to avoid helping priests as best as possible that have actually done something wrong. And so it's a very simple process. Anyone can take a look on our website of the background check. It's very easy what we do. We've had FBI officials look at it. We've had many in law enforcement as well as attorneys look at it. Nothing is perfect when it comes to background checks, but it's just a way for us to know who it is. And it's kept completely confidential. Of course. You know, we think, oh, maybe there's three canceled priests out there. A lot of people in this area are familiar with Father Parker, who was in East Dubuque, who's been canceled um, by Bishop um, Malloy Malloy, in Rockford. It's good that you don't know his name. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, you you don't think it's that many. You think there might be, oh, a handful. You really, you don't want to think there have been that many priests, faithful priests, who have been sidelined. You just don't want to think that. You don't. And again, you know, Father Parker is a wonderful example of a priest who's faith-filled, had a great devotion to Our Lady, to St. Faustina and Divine Mercy, but was completely Novus Ordo. 
And I do not mean that in a slight at all. I helped him in East Dubuque. I used to live in Galena when he was in Dubuque. And like Corpus Christi processions and such, I would come over and help him. It's just another reminder, especially to Catholics that just can't make that leap into the traditional mass. They're not just going after traditionalists. They're coming after even those that want a reverent, beautiful Novus Ordo mass as well, as we see with Father Parker. That's a, that's a very good point. It's not just the Latin Mass priest, but Father Parker was very devotional in his life. And we we were there at those so Eucharistic that, processions. That only uh, oh. gives me a confirmation, affirmation to my earlier statement. This is not about the Latin language or the Tridentine rite. When, when people hear about Father James um, Parker, who was in East Dubuque for many years, mm-hmm. Five years, ten years? Oh, I think maybe longer than oh, that. Yeah. Why well, cleaned up the town? They right? they know him, Mark. They know him, and they know what he did. And when they find out that he has been canceled, in other words, his assignment was not renewed. He simply is a priest without a home. The first question everyone asks me: What did he do? And the answer is, he prayed. He prayed. What what else could the answer be, Colleen? He led many souls to God. He lit people on fire to love the Lord. All those devotions. He built that Eucharistic Adoration Chapel. St. Joseph. Mark is sitting here as the head of the power of prayer. He built another Adoration Chapel. What a blessing to have to Adoration Chapels on either side of the river. Yeah. Yeah. So it is hard to understand, but... But and that is probably one of the most beautiful adoration chapels I've ever is. been to. Yeah. Uh, it is. Yeah. yeah, and I think some of the stuff in there came from the old St. Mary's Parish, didn't it? Did, it? Yes. it did. Yeah. Some of the side altars. And yeah. Don't get me started on that. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to the chatter with our guest, Father John Lovell from the Coalition of Canceled Priests, Mark Hager. He's back in the studio. Colleen will be back right after these announcements on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. This is the FM 98.3 KCRD Studios. We're recording Monday, February 7th. This will uh, this will air, what is Saturday and Sunday? I can't do the math. 12th. 12th and 13th, 12th and 13th here. Yep. Does that mean next week is Valentine's Day? Yes, indeed. I wonder what I'm going to get this year. Life. Why is that? Isn't it odd even that they... Nope. It's always the, always the husband getting something for the wife. Lost that again. Because all the other 364 days, he's benefiting. I have to stand up for my gender and sex here in the studio. I'm going to talk to Big Billy about that before we're done. Can I just simply say that St. Valentine's Day in this country especially shows that God has a sense of humor where (laughs) secular society celebrates what they call love, in quotations, uh, but St. Valentine was a celibate priest who died defending traditional marriage. There you go. Well, there we go. So there... should we all start calling it St. Valentine Day? I know Jack Dalhide only calls it St. Valentine Day. Well, I mean, we don't call it Patrick Day. It's St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. So Valentine, Valentine is just as much a saint as Patrick is. There Good point. And please keep in mind that Friday is Our Lady of Lords and World Day of the Sick. Very good. You know, we should do that. We should uh, get. We started that with some of the feast days, but we didn't go through the whole upcoming week, and that's a good one here. 
But we didn't get to many headlines, and we're going to do that here in segment two. By the way, you can hear the chatter on uh, kcrd-fm.org. It is in a podcast, and last I checked, the engineers are back from the tropics, and they've got all 28. They'll have number 29 on on studio. So I'm just going to rifle through headlines. This is from the uh, Epic Times... uh, Late in January here, on the 30th, actress fired over viral criticism of street closures for the killed, slain New York Police Department officer's funeral. The woman's name is, uh, well, the the uh, police officer, Jason Rivera, may he rest in peace, and the actress, uh, Jacqueline Guzman. Never heard of her. Good, good riddance, Jacqueline. Uh, here's one, uh, early in the month of February from Free West Media, Life Insurer refuses to cover vaccine deaths. The Life Insurance Company is refusing to cover vaccine deaths. Believe that or not. This is, this is from Europe, uh, Paris, France. Tell us why. Uh, boy, uh, as a result of a coronal injection, and the, the uh, logic was they argue the deceased took part in an experiment known to be of risk and made the decision of their own free will. So they're like, they're saying it's like suicide. Suicide. And they don't pay for suicide. Yeah, you, you, uh, <laughs> went on the, uh, Here's, here's one of my favorites. She's back. Diane Montagna, Vatican journalist, on the, uh, from last week, February 2nd. The carnage has begun. British priest rebukes Pope Francis, calls on bishops to openly resist suppression of the Latin Mass. Did you catch that, Father? I did. It was a great article and a great uh, YouTube video he has. I just love Diane. We've got to get her... Uh, You've got to have some connections. You were just over, um, we can't say where you were and who you saw. Well, uh, I always like to say this. There's there's one connection uh, to bind them all, as I like to say, and that's Liz Yor. So we got to get Liz on the show. We, we haven't, we haven't had Yor. Liz since September here, and she'd be able to get Diane. Oh, yeah. Would that be a show? Yes, that would be a show. The four of us plus Diane and Liz in yeah. here. It'd be a two-hour show. At least. I'm doing that here. Here's one from our uh, from our good friend, Blythe Kaufman, who has this ministry of the children's rosary. And uh, she made the National Catholic Register. Children's rosary unifies children in Africa and America. This is uh, Dateline... Um, over the weekend, it broke. She sent me an email. So she get a load of this. I just love Blythe. She's doing a Catholic cookbook. And she says, Tom, I need two recipes. So I got Marianne to do a couple. Re- I should have called you, Mark. But I got two of Mary. One of which is Italian pot roast. Now, I don't know anybody in Marianne's family who is Italian, but she's got the recipe handed down by way of her mother. I sent it off to Blythe. And young Asher... Her son, who's got to be, what, 13 or 14 now? Maybe I've got that wrong. Anyway, Asher sent me photos, 
when he made the stew, the pot roast, Italian pot roast. Blythe sends the uh, article from the Catholic Register, and she says, Asher's making Italian pot roast twice a week. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Pretty good. Is that the children's rosary that we air? Yes. What time is that on? Uh, uh, looks like it's at 3.30 on Saturdays. Anyway, uh, we're blowing through this. Uh, in a, I've got this. This is Dateline, February first. Father Ed Broom. I don't know him. Do you know Father Ed Broom? I do Anybody not. know that? Mark, have you no. heard him? Pick this up on. Um, anyway, his headline is Ten Habits That Will Keep You Present at Mass." One, punctuality. So, what does that mean, punctuality? Like, you have to walk in before the priest is heading up the altar, right? Or does it mean five minutes before? I always like to say that everyone, I don't care if they're the priest or the laity, they should be recollected when Mass begins. And the Church has always prescribed uh, several prayers for the priest to pray in preparation, even to the point where there's a prayer for every single piece of vestment that he puts on. And I always like to say, if you're going to be punctual at Mass, be there 10 minutes early yeah. in prayerful adoration, preparing. So Father Broom is, is uh, headed down that. Not only should we arrive on time, we should arrive early. And he, uh, I mean, we could read the whole thing, but uh, here's the line. Athletes warm up before arriving on the playing field. Are you a Catholic athlete? Good analogy. St. Paul liked Tom, to use that. Tom, yeah. now he says what? Ten things to keep you? Ten things to keep you present. 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 I, oh, think so he, not... I think he means attentive is how I'm interpreting okay, cause that. Okay, because wasn't there an article came out not too long ago about the ten things that could you should stay away from the Mass? I Don't think go it's... there. Don't oh, go okay, there. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, I read that someplace. I can't remember where yeah, it was. Yeah, you know exactly where you read it here. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were hoping for such a civil discourse today. Number two, sacred silence. Mark, this is the uh, uh, deal. Prophet, Prophet Isaiah entered the temple in silence to encounter the thrice holy God. You know, a lot of chatter going on, not to steal our thunder here, but uh, it just annoys me. Mm. We're getting ready for heaven and earth to come in here, and we're... Oh, I haven't seen you in so long. It really breaks out at the sign of peace, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. Break out. <laughs> Father's biting his tongue over there. We're going to go to number three. Genuflection. This will keep you present at the Mass when walking in the presence of Christ. Truly present in the tabernacle, we should make a reverent gesture of adoration. We call it genuflection. See a lot of people that are just... Uh, Looked like they uh, got out of Uber and uh, just ran to the pew. We see that a lot. Um, also with uh, parents of young children, they always like to say to the celibate priest, as if we don't know having kids is hard. Probably not as hard as it really is, but we, we get an idea. I taught uh, sophomores in high school 30 at a time, and you know you need a chair and a whip. But I always like to tell parents when they show up, right at the last minute or late and they say well you know we got all these kids and it's it's hard to get them there and i said well you get to the baseball game in time don't you when they're playing mm. baseball or any sports event mm. they're there early no. warming up as you just said a few, a few seconds ago we just so. come for the second inning here yeah. <laughs> number four mark this is something you and i have talked about many times over at the chapel number four is modesty 
must be expressed in great clarity, frankness, and charity. Remember, it is Christ in the tabernacle. This guy's hitting all the uh, all of the items here. Number five. I love this one, Kelly. Number five. Take your guardian angel to church. Oh, isn't that nice? Ask for their help. Speaking of traditions that have gotten caught to the kick to the can- curb on this here, Father, does anybody pray to their guardian angels anymore? Well, why don't we right now? Angel of God, uh, my, my guardian, guardian dear, dear, to whom God's, God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, and to rule, to guide. Amen. I think most guardian angels, I, I can speak with authority on this for my guardian angel, does a lot of face palming for for what what i what i do in my life and i'm sure most guardian angels are like that for most catholics yeah he's done it again mark tom i've been meaning to ask you because you have a second verse to that prayer yes and i was wondering where did you find that at i found it about 10 years ago in a prayer books that some beloved old lady gave to me uh in church i think at saint patrick downtown dubuque and i read it and I thought, that's beautiful. And then I went back to get it. And I, I kept the book, and I, I bookmarked it. And I lost the book for about seven years. And I knew it was here, and I kept going through. Did you ever know you had something? You kept going through and through. And it's over in that box somewhere uh, so that I won't lose it again. But I bet if I went over there, it would take me seven more years to find it. But I finally found it because, uh, it, in fact, it was a... Was it a Patrick Madrid or Drew Mariani question about it? Because everybody denies the second stanza to the guardian angel prayer. So when I found it, I did photocopy it. I did record it. And uh, it only now got back on the air again, Mark. It was lost in our audio. Somebody doesn't want this uh, two-stanza prayer to come out. Oh, I love it. I'll have to. uh, We'll do that tomorrow. We'll pull it out. and If I photocopy a dozen... It'll uh, go there. You know, something that helps me remember to pray to my guardian angel is at the end of the rosary, you pray the St. Michael prayer. Mm-hmm. So after praying to you know big St. Michael, then I always add my own guardian angel prayer. So if that's going to help anybody, there's an idea. Just saying. I like it a lot. Number six, pray fervently. The priest is the celebrant of holy sacrifice of Mass who acts in the person of Christ otherwise known as in persona Christi, but we need to make a sincere effort to pray fervently. Uh, It's a shame it has to be said. Number seven, listen attentively. The Mass has classically termed the word, the liturgy of the word. Our attitude should be pay attention. Do you think they're paying attention when you read, Father? Well, I I can say that a problem, at least Catholics in this country, whether traditional or going to the Novus Ordo, as you ask them the next day, what were the readings yesterday at Mass? And many times they're like, uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's very hard for them. So I always like to tell people, start the Monday before praying over Sunday's readings. Mm-hmm. Even if you go to daily Mass and pray over those as well. But, but Sunday worship has to be at the center of our lives. I don't... At this point, whether it's traditional Mass or Novus Ordo, it has to be at the center of your lives. And if you don't make it the center of your life, you're going to eventually fall because of it. Right. Item number eight, ignore the distractions in the course of Holy Mass. I've got to compliment most all of the priests that I see here with uh, 
the crying babies, which is joy to most of our ears, but that could be a distraction. But the cell phones that go off just drive me nuts. Now, what really drives me nuts is when somebody answers their cell phone. <laughs> now, now that, has, that has two parts. Now, you can either answer your... your, your there's got to be hellish purgatory time on this. Answer the phone, and the, but you can either do one of two things, and I've seen each of them happen. Answer your phone as you leave the church to whatever. I don't know who could be more important than Christ. But then I've, I've been witness to when a woman answered her phone and continued the conversation in the pew. Oh, my goodness. Not during the liturgy of the word, the consecration, Father. Oh, my goodness. It's like when people continue chewing gum at Mass or men wearing baseball caps or any type of head covering at Mass. Um, you know, men are not supposed to do that, and transversely, women are. But we don't do that anymore, sadly, in the new church. So, Coming to a church near, near soon here. No, Number no, nine. No, wait a minute, Tom. Oh, oh. Going back to the distractions and the crying yeah, baby. Right. Mike Damali, who's... who's her going through seminary or, yeah, or the diaconate formation. formation okay he says if you're not crying you're dying he said just remember that in church he yes, said you, that, if you don't hear the babies and the young kids guess what you're dying yeah, yeah. and and he will be a great yes, deacon yes how far what year is he third year so he's halfway through yeah Number nine, Father, you already stole the thunder here. The Missal and the Daily Readings, you can derive abundant fruit from following the Mass in your Missal and reading the readings. Hey, there's a newsflash. Audio-visual. That's yeah. the type of people we are. The, the uh, Montessori. Oh, here we go. You're going to love this one. Number ten, the Blessed Virgin Mary and Holy Mass. Oh. It's got Colleen. In later apparitions, Sister Lucia... Lucia, Lucia, saw the altar of sacrifice and above saw Jesus hanging on the cross with his heart pierced. From his open heart, blood was flowing into a chalice. Our Lady of Fatima was standing at the foot of the cross, and above the cross could be seen heaven opened and God the Father contemplating his son Jesus sacrificed on the cross. In the form of a dove, the Holy Spirit is seen between the Father and the Son. Happens at every Mass. And one out of four Catholics on any given day are going to do it. Now, after pandemic, it's it's about one out of seven, one out of eight coming, about 12 or 13% coming in, Father. This is, if they're seeing this, God the Father's crying here. It's not just uh, the, the blood of Christ flowing into the chalice. It's the tears of God the Father. Absolutely. Anyway. Wouldn't, wouldn't our whole um, demeanor in Mass changed if we could see with spiritual eyes what was happening? Yeah. Well, we're all almost out of time here, Colleen, on uh, segment two. We had some great headlines there, and that that ten step. I just had to share those with Father Broom that did that here. But here's a. I found this after we had the uh, Young Society of Saint Thomas Beckett in here last week. This is Dateline Monday, the thirty first of January, from uh, our liturgical movement folks over there. But the headline just just struck me. 
if the synod on synodality can't get young people interested in the church, what can? And we got 30 seconds here, Mark. Do you think the questionnaires are going to get young people flock into the church? I kind of doubt it because it goes back to what Father was talking about earlier. The first thing you read in there is we have to take care of the poor. And I'm sorry, what about our souls? Why, do, why are we going to church? Is it salvation of our souls? I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, the poor would come after that. Well, you make a good point. The bottom line for the whole reason for the church is the salvation of souls. Father Lovell looks locked and loaded, and we're already up on segment two. We're going to hold you back, Father. <laughs> Don't blow a gasket. We'll be right back after this on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. Tom Oglesby in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios with Mark Hager, Father John Lovell, Colleen Pasnicka. We better plug our uh, February 25th event here coming up. We've got one of the great orators in Catholicism, Father uh, John Ricardo out of the Archdiocese of uh, Detroit coming in to the Grand River Center. Doors open at uh, 4 or 4.30, something like that. We're going to have a rosary, some adult beverages or some kitty cocktails and a meal. I, I'm embarrassed. I got three calls over the weekend. What's on the menu, Tom? I don't know. We have We have to go down and pick the menu out. And then Father uh, Ricardo that evening here. So get your tickets online, kcrd-fm.org. And I uh, successfully baited Father John Lovell before the break. He was all ready to go, and I pulled the plug on him. The headline is, if synodality can't get young people interested in the church, then what can? Father? Let's uh, use a synonym for the word synodality, at least how they're using it. They're saying a committee. Yeah. Can a committee bring young people back into the church? And what brings people back into the church is strong masculine clergy, that is preaching the word on fire, and I'm not talking about Bishop Barron, but the actual Holy Ghost coming down, um, speaking the truth, standing up for what the faith is. A lot of people often wonder why Islam attracts so many young men. It's because it is a masculine religion. Now, it's wrong in many aspects, where Christianity is right. But even St. John Henry Newman in the 19th century was comparing Christianity as the feminine, the effeminate uh, religion, while Islam was seen as the masculine. And effeminate is not a good word. Even women should kind of shy away from that because it, it goes against the real feminine genius of of women, especially of our Blessed Mother. Our Blessed Mother wants strong masculine liturgy. We all want to cling to that. And so when you see that happening, that's what attracts young people. Again, why the traditional Latin Mass is such a young movement is because they see that sacredness, that masculinity, just radiating from the altar. And that's what's going to bring people in. Not another committee, not another synod, not another uh, talk 
back and forth another powwow. It's going to be showing Christ. And I always look to my own personal patron, St. John Vianney. He did not go in and started a committee at ours. He went in there, started Eucharistic adoration. He started correct uh, worship at Mass following the rubrics. He started to have confession on a regular basis, and he fasted and he prayed, and the, and the flood doors opened up in ours where they had to divert train tracks in order to bring people there to that little podunk town. Five things that aren't too complicated pretty interesting. By the way, speaking of uh, Father Ricardo, after uh, your soliloquy here, Father Lovell, this is exactly what Father Ricardo said at one o'clock this afternoon on February 7th on his show when he was talking about uh, women, uh, St. Paul's passage, uh, husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church, that whole whole uh, segment that often gets misinterpreted, but a uh, great deal. Colleen, we're going to move on here because uh, otherwise we're going to have a two-hour chatter here. But we didn't even get to your headlines. What do you got? Well, the one thing that I wanted to talk about this time was um, uh, the general audience, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, had a general audience on February 2nd. And he basically said that the communion of saints includes those who have denied the faith and denied their baptism. Well, I think that was news to everybody that heard that because that's not the... That's not the communion of saints. So uh, I, I'd like to get your reaction from that because it, it did kind of... My reaction is, is I hope it got lost in the translation. Well, let me pick my uh, job off the floor. <laughs> well, you know, joining the communion of saints, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal for me, you know, <laughs> a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. It seems like a pretty low uh, bar here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it harkens to uh, Bishop Robert Barron's continued assertion that we have a reasonable hope that all men are saved. Mm-hmm. I mean... Which is the exact opposite of what our Lord says in Scripture, that the path to uh, happiness is narrow, and few there are who, who find it. But um, I was just really surprised because he even asked himself, he says, you know, people say, Father, let us think of those who've denied the faith, who are apostates, who are the persecutors, who've denied their baptism. Are these also at home? So he's saying this in his own um Yeah, he doubled speech. down. Yeah. And Tripled said, down. Yes, even these, even the blasphemers, all of them, we are brothers. This is the communion of saints. But that's that's not the Catholic faith. Isn't there something missing, like uh, confession, repentance, absolution? I thought Taylor Marshall did a really good job of kind of saying, yeah, we're all sinners, and even mortal sin, you know, will kill the life of grace in us. But Pius XII had said that we are, even if we're in mortal sin, we are part of the church unless we have left it through schism, heresy, and apostasy. And that's one of the you know groups that he mentioned about, about people who have apostatized and have denied their baptism. So he and uh, Pius XII are saying the exact, exact opposite thing. So I always think of uh, the Divine Mercy Novena, which I hope all of us do on a regular basis, but especially from Good Friday to Divine Mercy Sunday. There were mm-hmm. two days devoted to heretics and to pagans. And sadly, in the English translation, they kind of massage the language and they say those that have left the church and those who do not believe. But that's just another way of saying heretics and pagans. And we have to realize is that 
the Lord wants us to pray for their conversion. Mm-hmm. He wants his reign over the earth. He does not want this, this let's go along to get along type of every religion is equal. It's not. Catholicism is where you find truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. Colleen, what else you got? We got to give Father time to untie his microphone cord here. Yeah. He's got it in knots again. Well, the, the trivia questions, the catechism questions, are going to be on the communion of saints. So so we had to at least bring this story up so we can what else quiz you, you guys over there. So um, I have some good news about uh, Governor Kim Reynolds. She has um, said, she announced on Thursday last week that she is going to stop with the whole COVID emergency declaration. No more emergency for COVID. It's, it's going to be the same as the flu. That's hugely yes. good news. Wow. Um, and the end of the story said that nearly half of the U.S. states have already discontinued um, their emergency. Uh, so that was, I thought that was really good news. Um, and the, Amen to that. And there's also a bill in the Iowa state legislature that talks about basically if this should happen again, if there should be another pandemic, another thing. And then um, we know this time when COVID hit, they did not allow priests to go into funeral home or um, nursing homes, hospitals, things like that. So there is some legislation up there right now that says if this happens again, they will be allowed in. You cannot prohibit clergy going in to see patients or residents of hospitals or healthcare facilities. That's wonderful news. I think this is some of the stuff that we have learned um, in the past two years. Boy, I guess. Although I can say I don't know why we need legislation to do that, but a, uh, a bishop who would have said, no, my priest is going in there and you will stand down, would have worked for me. Yeah, and you know, at least it's in writing now, right? It's going to be in writing that you can't prohibit a priest from going in to a hospital or a healthcare facility. I think it's already written by God. My it, priest it is, is going in there. Yeah. I was told many years ago that it used to be law in Illinois that they could not deny a priest to go into a hospital. But then during COVID, it was actually the bishops, Cardinal Supich, Bishop Malloy, who were saying, we're going to designate certain priests. And I, I was telling my brother priests in active ministry, I said, if you get that call, you're morally obligated to go. The bishop cannot say, oh, no, it's okay, you don't have to go. You are morally obligated to anoint somebody that needs it. And that's what priests need to be made aware of. That's what the laity need to know. And, and thank God in Illinois... Governor Blagojevich, back in May of 2020, backed down because of a possible uh, Supreme Court lawsuit, and he basically said that all houses of worship, it's only a suggestion to follow COVID mandates. They were not going to enforce it anymore, but sadly, many of the bishops in Illinois continue to do that and follow along with what the governor wanted. It's quite sad. I stand by my earlier statement. What do you got for us next? Oh, well, um, is it time to go into the quiz? You got um, eight minutes. That's way too early. Is it way too early? Well, the other, the other, you just don't want eight minutes worth of questions coming at you. You got that right. (laughs) No, the other kind of good news I had about um, with COVID restrictions is 12 countries in Europe are ending COVID restrictions. Maybe we're seeing the end of this. I think the jig is up. And a lot of protests out there around the world for the mandates besides our, those truckers in Canada there are protests in the Netherlands and in Rome and Spain. United Kingdom standing down. 
everybody's had enough of those mandates. Well, and don't you think part of this is coming on the heels of they keep lowering the age and now it's down to infants? You need to get the, oh, you need yeah. to get the infants, uh, you know, injected. You know, give them the jab. You know, and it's like really, you know, I I'm yeah. not seeing many infants spread COVID. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Problem reaction solution here. What what was the? Uh, oh, that's right. Our Noam Chomsky. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. But that almost needs a whole show. Yeah, that's a new show. We're going to save that for another time when we come back. Mass formation psychosis anyway yeah, that's getting a lot of traction i just want to watch you grill mark hager here <laughs> yeah, thanks so now wait a minute usually you guys don't have a ringer on your side like father level well that's why he's here <laughs> i'm wondering if i think I they're talking me up a little <laughs> yeah. too much here you don't think he got here by accident <laughs> one hand behind his back or something like that yeah how are we going to make this fair Mark said, I'll come back if <laughs> yeah, yeah. Father Lovell is here. So. He answers all the questions. Yeah. All right, what well, do you we got? We do have some questions We're on talking the about communion of saints. Communion of okay. saints. We are talking about the communion of saints. And... So we are going to ask about the communion of saints, and I'm going to pull first, I think, from the Catechism of St. Pius X. Mm. You all remember him? I do, yeah. Okay. Did you babysit him? I think so, since wow. I was born in 1988. <laughs> Been waiting to use that for 29 episodes. <laughs> All right, so the communion of saints. Let's see, what are the, okay, so the communion of saints, it's found in the ninth article of the um, creed, right? We believe in the communion of saints. Which, which are the internal goods that are common in the church, in the communion of saints? What are the internal goods? The internal goods. That would be the articles following the uh, statement here. Forgiveness well, of sins, resurrection of the dead. I, I would say the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. Sure. Well, it's rather ambiguous the that, way it's... That is uh, part of the answer. Uh, uh, the answer, according to Pius X, says the internal goods that are common in the church are the graces received through the sacraments. Okay. Faith, hope, and charity, right? The infinite merits of Jesus Christ and the superabundant merits of the Blessed Virgin and the saints and the fruit of all the good works done in the church, which you guys were mm-hmm. hitting on there. What are the external goods in the communion of saints? Mark, you've been quiet too long. Go ahead. Yeah. You can take the lead on this one. Do, do I look like a deer in headlights over here? Because I'm going like... You're up, Bambi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm up. I'm ready to be hit broadside here. So, external. So, think of external things that we can see. I think we talked about it in this one article here. I'm... She's being well, ever so how, vague tonight. How that, about yeah. how about sacramentals? Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Something that's external. Again, so are the corporal works of mercy, uh, but certainly sacramentals like the rosary, adoration. Um, those those are external things that uh, help us to participate in the communion of saints. He's exactly right. Huh. He's exactly right. Now here's the next question that ties into the story we just heard about Pope Francis. Do all the children of the church share in this communion of goods? Well, 
if they're baptized, they are given that gift, yes. So in one sense, I was just at a, a conference, an anti-vax conference in Vermont a few weeks ago, and I was the only Catholic priest. In fact, it was mainly uh, Protestants and medical professionals, but they wanted a Catholic perspective. And I had this gentleman come up to me and say, Father, um, I'm now a Protestant minister, but I used to be a Catholic. And I used to, I always like to joke with people that say that to me, I used to be a Catholic. I said, well, you're still, still, you still Catholic. are Catholic. Come back, you're only one confession away to getting all the sacraments and graces that you need. Um, so I always like to say that you never leave the church militants. You might go AWOL, but you're still part of that army. It's very good. All Christians who are in a state of grace. That's yeah. right. They all participate. So um, can those in mortal sin participate in the external goods of the church? Trick question. Can well, those in mortal sin participate? Tom and I have been talking too much. We'll throw this one to Mark. Well, I can't see why they couldn't. I mean, obviously, if I'm in mortal sin, I can still go to the Adoration Chapel and pray and ask for forgiveness, but I have to do it also in a confessional and ask for that forgiveness. Very good. Yeah. So you guys are kind of warming up to this whole communion of saints stance, right? You, you have to want... Uh, forgiveness before you can ask for it Correct. so yes yes all right last question then um does the communion of saints extend also to heaven and purgatory and hell no not not to hell um but we always like to say that the church is three divisions in the army the church militant here on earth uh, the church triumphant in heaven, and the church suffering in purgatory. And what a lot of Catholics, especially today, do not realize, the holy souls in purgatory cannot pray for themselves, and they cannot pray for us. So we have to be that prayerful intercessor for the souls in purgatory. So this is the great thing about being in the church militant right now, that we can be with the church triumphant in praying and interceding before God for the souls in purgatory. And I want to say this as we close up. I hope all Catholics every day pray for the souls in purgatory. As Fulton Sheen often says, that we, when we get to heaven, we will have souls, saints come to us thanking us, and we'll say, well, who are you? And we say, we were one of the souls in purgatory that you prayed for. Amen to that. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes, indeed. We're coming to the end of episode 29 of The Chatter. This is on uh, February 7th, 2022, the year of our Lord. It'll be uh, coming up here on the, uh, did you say the uh, 12th and 13th weekend here? We'll be broadcasting live here and doing that. So I just want to extend a big thank you to Father for being here and answering these questions. Boy, <laughs> the, no. the blood has returned to his face here. He was... <laughs> Not looking so well early on, Colleen had really gone deep on some questions. Let's close in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the, to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This is FM 98.3 KCRD and the Chatter. Tune in again next week. We love you. See you soon.